Welcome to Writer's Block, a writing podcast on how to write your book from start to finish. Um, my name is Sterling. I'm Rebecca. I'm Kate. I'm Becky. And I'm Brianna. Welcome. And we are continuing our discussion on um, Save the Cat. This week, we wanted to look at um, an actual breakdown of the beat sheet um, using the Christmas Carol, right? That's what we're using? Yes. I hope you know that. (laughs) Well, that's what I was looking at. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss a message or something. You you never know. (laughs) But anyway, so Christmas Carol and all the rest of us are doing Tron. So (laughs) I'm more partial to Die Hard. But um, anyway, so so and and we're we're going to just start at the very beginning of the beat sheet. And and I've got the first couple of beats. Blake Snyder's got his beat sheet laid out in 15 steps, uh, starting with the opening image. That image basically sets the tone. It sets the expe- a lot of the expectations. So, for example, in The Christmas Carol, the opening image is Scrooge at Marley's funeral. And once we move through that image, we see that Scrooge is alone and all that stuff, right? So it's actually not his funeral. <laughs> is it not his funeral? I thought that's what opened. I just but read it like five minutes ago. It's, it's just that you hear that he's dead. Oh. He's, he's been well, dead for like a long time. Everyone on the podcast, I was wrong. All, the first phrase of the book and the the story is Marley was dead to begin with. That's how it starts. That's the opening image of the story. And it, we go from there. But that opening image um, is necessary to set up the fantastical elements of the story. It sets up that Marley is dead. So when we see him later, it's weird. It also gives Scrooge a kind of separated uh, like distance from Marley, despite the fact that we find out Marley is his business partner and has been forever, right? In Blake Snyder's book, so basically yeah, he says that the opening image is the first impression of a story and its tone and mood and the type and scope of the story is presented in that image. It is kind of interesting to think what it would have been what it would have been like had there been a different opening image used because like you wouldn't normally think a Christmas story would start with somebody's death or news of a death or anything. It does set up that it's a ghost story. <laughs> as well yeah. as a Christmas story because it's Christmas time, but we right off the bat hear about someone being dead. Yeah. So like had had um Dickens gone with instead like just Scrooge in his little shop being a bad boss, then it would have been a different feel of a book. And would it have been wrong? Maybe. <laughs> so you, you kind of have to decide what you want the feel and what you want to include in the opening image because that's, I mean... Your book is going to be different than Dickens' book, so you have to decide what you're um, what you're going for in the first place. Yeah, and that that actually kind of extends too. So the opening image, um, and we'll talk more about the f- the final image later on, um, but it it should be opposite what the final image is, and also opening image should be book like it's the bookend. It's the first bookend of the of the book. So like. The opening image and the final image bookend the books or bookend your story. Um, so everything is contained within and the opening image sets up the tone. The final image does something else that we'll talk about, but it should be opposite from what the opening is. Um, but that opening doesn't have to be very long. It can be just that line like it is in the Christmas Carol. But then we move into the next beat 
of a story, according to Snyder, which is called Theme Stated, or at least that's how he, he presents it. And it's basically when it's kind of bringing up the whole point of the story. So in, in his book, he says that usually within the first, he says five minutes because it's about screenplays mostly, but this would be first chapter, maybe second chapter, that someone, not usually the main character, is going to pose a question or, or say something that kind of drives at the point of the whole story. So with the Christmas Carol uh, specifically, uh, Dickens kind of uses um, Scrooge's distance and an emotional emotional distance from his partner to kind of present the, this point. Um, he says uh, Scrooge was not so dreadfully cut up about the sad event, Marley dying, uh, but he was an excellent businessman. And even on the day of the funeral, he got a bargain and he went out to make sure he got bargains. And that just kind of sets up that Scrooge has put business and all this stuff above everything else. And usually the, if it's from the main character, usually the theme stated is, is opposite of what they're showing. So business not being as important and connections being more important, um, things like that. What do y'all think about that? How Dickens set up the theme? Cause I, cause Dickens obviously didn't read Blake Snyder's book. And so the theme stated comes from Scrooge, despite Blake Snyder saying, it should usually come from somebody else. I I kind of think of it in this book as coming from the story's narrator. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because Scrooge is so antisocial, he's not having conversations. Well, I mean, he does have some conversations where he shows that he doesn't care about people because there's people who come and try and get him to donate to the poor. And he says... Are there not poor houses and workhouses? So maybe I'll disagree with the save the cat thing and say that's the theme stated. And that's when someone tells Scrooge the theme of the story that people are more important than money. And he, you know, doesn't agree because he hasn't yet had his um, character arc. I would, I would say that if Dickens were around to analyze his novel through the lens of saves the cat he'd probably agree with that just because i mean a christmas carol wasn't going to be a novel originally it was going to be just like a philosophic treatise so there you go i didn't know that um <laughs> but but your your point is interesting rebecca because the um, on the save the cat website though that event where somebody's asking him to donate is part of the setup Oh. Um, because the, it sets up so that the theme stated about Scrooge, um, putting business above all. And so the theme, the thematic premise is that that's wrong is set up by the fact that his whole comment out poor houses and prisons is that he's already paying for those. So why would he pay for more social programs? Cause he's just like paying again, which isn't a profitable business venture. At least that's how the, the website puts it. Okay, so this is this is good to discuss because I think sometimes these beats are very quick and very subtle. So like, yep, I, it's it's just like one line that is our opening image, one line that is our theme stated, and then all this other stuff for setup. Well, it doesn't have to be like super clear cut because like you said, it's not like Dickens read Save the Cat. So like, it's not going to be picture perfect with each 
setup. It's just, these are just basic guidelines. And with, with novels, it's a little bit different of a setup, right? Because Snyder is looking at scripts and he's saying within, on the first page of a script, you need your opening image, of course, but on the fifth, by the fifth page of the script, you need your theme stated. And the setup is page one to 10. So opening image and theme stated are kind of wrapped into the setup. And don't forget in a script, each page is like 50 words. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so for scripts, this is happening very quick, but for novels, it's going to be quite different uh, because your first 10 pages might be 8,000 words or, or more. So it's stated and then it's restated and restated. You get to explore the theme in several different spots. You have Scrooge talking to his young little relative nephew who is asking for money. Denied. But you also get to go see him with little Bob Cratchit in his cold little workplace. And you, and you, get, a feel, you get a feel for what the theme is, even if it's not outright ex- explained. So in a novel, you get to just build out and like, you can three quarters say the theme like three different times in a novel, whereas in a in a screenplay, since you have so short of a time, you have to just hit the nail on the head fast. So in a novel, you can be much more subtle. Yeah, especially because in a novel, you've got options for side stories to interact with the theme more than scripts generally have room for. But for the for the setup though basically it sets up the hero and that's where all those little beats that are all those little scenes that we've been talking about come into play um the one that i forgot about was when scrooge goes home that night and he's given cratchit christmas off he's in his house his giant his big not giant but big house and uh there's a line in the on the website from the book that says darkness is cheap and scrooge liked that I I've completely forgot that that was a thing. And I don't, I don't know if we get that in the movie versions because I think that hits the last quarter or so of the theme and that Scrooge would rather sit in darkness cause it's cheaper. It's all about the money. Yeah. And that's why the, the theme is that's wrong. <laughs> that's not good. And I also like how in the setup, this, he does such a good job of portraying how miserable Scrooge is. He will not admit it, but he's dark and alone and he has all this money and nothing to spend it on. And we know because we can watch him that he needs to change, but he does not agree. No, definitely. And and the last piece of the setup that Dickens uses to make sure that we're set up for the story is that premonition with the door knocker um, kind of, I don't know how many movies show this part, but in the book, there's um, a door knocker that I think calls his name or something like that. And it sets up the fantastical element that that, that this is going to happen, that something weird is happening, um, even though Scrooge just kind of shrug, shrugs it off. But that leads into the next beat immediately with Marley's ghost. So that's me with Catalyst, right? Yep. Okay. So the fourth point in Blake Snyder's sheet is the Catalyst. So this is the part that you end up telling people in a log line or the back of your book. This is the thing that happens. What takes you from the normal world into the story world. So in Christmas Carol, the ghost of Bob Marley. is <laughs> not Bob Marley, but that would have been a better, better that would choice. Be an interesting Christmas Carol version. <laughs> Rastafarian. 
<laughs> oh, hold on while I lose lose my mind for Wait, a moment. What is his name? It's not Bob Marley, is it? It's just Marley. Is not. <laughs> He doesn't get a name. name Jacob? No, I'm sh- oh, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley. Okay, oh, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Marley. Jacob of Marley. You know, I was very close. <laughs> right. Um, in Christmas Carol, the ghost of Jacob. Jacob Marley. <laughs> Shoot. I'm sorry, guys. You're going to have to continue on without me. I've got a whole re- reggae thing going on now. Um <laughs> A ghost appears. It could have been Marley. And anyways, so he realizes, well, he's told that the, his only hope is to travel with three ghosts and learn some lessons. So this is a pretty significant step from his normal world. And um, it is an abrupt change. But just like Sterling said earlier, it is foreshadowed. So it's not just like a slap in the face out of a dark blue sky, however that thing goes. So we know... Scrooge does not see it coming, but we saw it coming. So it's not just aliens. It's it's something that fills in place with the book. Anybody got anything interesting on that one? No, I think that's good. It's the this is kind of the thing that sets the story in motion. It's where the real change, the break from the norm, right? So here is Scrooge's break from the norm. He sees a ghost, which gets us to the debate. Okay. So debate. In this section, we get pushback and waffling from the main character. I think this does a few things for the reader. One, it impresses the stakes of the undertaking. Like, by having Scrooge say, I don't want to do it, it sounds scary, we realize, oh yes, that would be really bad. Um, Two, it adds realism, because humans are, for the most part, opposed to change. And three, it gives the main character an opportunity to restate restate some of their incorrect opinions about life. So, so like in the Christmas Carol, Scrooge gets to say stuff like, as much fun as ghosts or bad potatoes are, I'd rather stay in bed, you know, and still be a Scrooge, a curmu- uh, curmudgeon. But ultimately... <laughs> but, but ultimately... he Does he... Does he decide that he's going to go on the journey to avoid being damned? Because Marley basically tells him, you have to do this, you have to change Scrooge, or you get this fun life that I have as a ghost with chains and shackles for the rest of your dead days. At least in my favorite movie version, it he does say, okay, okay. I didn't think he really got a choice in the matter. This is a good question. I should have read all of this before. <laughs> You're right. We really shouldn't base this on any movie versions because I'm going off the Muppets. <laughs> Same. <laughs> the only <laughs> true version. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having a little bit of like mental <laughs> dissonance with this debate thing because I don't feel like it's this is explaining it as it should be. I don't see any debate for Scrooge in this thing that they've written. I think that might be just a fault of applying a beat sheet to a novel that was not written to the beat sheet yeah there you go you can apply it sort of (laughs) well and and if you if you look in the book um the way that snyder put it puts it he says it's the last chance for the hero to say this is crazy i'm not gonna do anything um which it would be like talking to marley and seeing marley scrooge could continue of 
could have continued to deny that anything was happening, that he was just tired and just tried to shrug it off. Right. But that, but for Dickinson, Dickinson, this, the point of the story was he needs to go on this journey with these ghosts to reach the point of the story. And so the debate for the Christmas Carol, I think you're right. Is it, it's not, it doesn't really apply to this specific novel because of the way that Dickinson wrote it and its purpose. So there's not much of debate, but that area where Marley is talking to him and saying, Hey, you are going to go on this trip with these spirits and, and business isn't all that big a deal. Scrooge could easily have debated with Marley on, on any of those points. Dickinson just didn't have him do that. On a, on a note of clarity, it's, it's Charles Dickens. Sorry. My bad. It's not as bad as Bob Marley. We're all good. (laughs) (laughs) All I've got for break into two is that at this point, the journey starts in earnest and you dive in and Scrooge travels with ghosts and we leave normal day-to-day accounting behind. So, I mean, that's, that's it. I feel like at this point in, in a novel, you might as well just jump in. I don't think you need to waste any words convincing us to take a fun ride because since we're reading it, we, you, you know, we know we want to get to the good stuff. I feel like the break into two is just them stepping through a door. So that doesn't have to be a huge multi-chapter thing. It's just, we're here, now we're there. Well, and, and the break into two um, or it happens on, he says on page 25, but the debate can happen between page 12 and 25. So the debate could be done in like three pages and then you break into two. And for a novel, that might be the easiest way to do it because the break into two moment always kind of felt like that point of no return that I just talked about in some plot methods. It's just kind of like the conclusion to the debate. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're doing this? Okay, we're doing this. this. (laughs) Yeah, well, it is kind of like inciting incident and break into two in the three-act structure where you don't have to have the debate beat in the three-act structure, so. Well, whenever I'm writing, I I don't use the debate so different from, like, the thematic um, statement or the setup. It's all worked in there together because you have... Somebody wants him to change, he says no. Um, Somebody gives him a really good reason to change, he says no. So I think debate and um, setup can be really intertwined. Thank you everyone for joining us on Writer's Block. Have a great night and write on.